As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast, where we explore how to center our lives and our leadership in the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. In the midst of the disruptive cultural shockwaves of the 21st century. Join us as we learn to take the love of God seriously as the force that holds all of us and everything together. Okay, yesterday, happy Mm -hmm. Halloween. Happy Halloween. Yes. We're and releasing today, this. Yes. Well, the day it's released is going to be yeah. All Saints Day. Yeah. All which Saints is actually day. a bigger deal. Yeah. 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 Well, I, you know, the, the I think the holidays used to be connected uh, in some ways. Um, All Hallows Eve. Yes. Uh, was, you know, the evening before All Saints Day. Yeah. Um, which is. Do you dress up? You know, Are you a dresser upper? Uh, you know, I have never been much for dressing up. For Halloween, I you know I just don't, I don't know I don't think of it I don't like there's and I feel slightly intimidated by all the people who they dress up like you know what I mean like they have these elaborate yeah. costumes or the joke costumes that are just like uh, like a funny joke that yeah. that it's like you're wearing um, so I've always felt intimidated by that because I don't like my I don't know there's something my brain doesn't work that way so this is this is similar to like we've talked before on the podcast, Christy, about how you, um, you sort of like, you're really good at planning like activities and fun little themed meals and such. Like you've got all these like rituals and traditions that you do with your family. Um, but I've never, I don't know, I just never been good at coming up with stuff like that. So, so I, I tend not to dress up. Um, if my wife has an idea, I'm like happy to do it, but I I love dressing up. It's like so fun to me. It's, I mean, dressing up and naming things, those are like so fun. Like if you have a baby turtle and you want me to name it or a new dog or Uh someone's pregnant and they can't think of a name, just, I will help you. I love Uh it. And I'll help you come up with a costume to wear because it's so fun. Yeah. You, you love it, huh? I do. Yeah. Yep. I was a piece of bacon. Uh, I have a bacon bacon costume. Just because you um, like bacon? Because I think it's just... funny, yeah. Okay. Um, my girls have avocado costumes. One's like half oh. of the avocado and the other half. I was like, we should oh, do like, cute. you know, avocado toast. And like, oh. it could be breakfast. Um, mm-hmm. Someone could be an egg. Someone could, nobody, you know, bit on that one. So I was like, oh, okay. well. Okay, yeah. Anyway. Well, you, I, this, uh, the theme here is food. You, you yes. You definitely know how to dress up as food. <laughs> but I've dressed up as other things. Like we did a yeah. whole... Uh, one year, every person in our family was a Star Wars person. 
Okay. Nice. And it was awesome. Yeah. I was C three PO. Well, you've got a you've got a big enough family that you could do some themed yeah. kind of like you know let's do a let's do a family Halloween theme. Yeah. Kind of now thing. they're getting old. They don't care. They don't want to do the same thing with mom. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. They're they're seeking a little independence. Yes. That's normal. well. Listener, you're listening to the Gravity Leadership Podcast, if you haven't figured that out already. Oh, yeah. And I'm Christy, and this is Ben. Hey. And, and Matt's not with us today. Nope. He's on a flight. We're recording this on uh, Friday, and uh, he's on a flight to Denver. So, yeah, anyway. I get to see him tonight for dinner. Oh, that's fun. I know. That's, I'm glad. I'm glad for that. Uh, Christy, what is it about dressing up? I've been thinking about this. Uh, because, you know, dressing up for Halloween, it's become, it used to be kind of, when I was growing up, it was a kid's thing. Mm. Um, and now it seems to me that more and more adults are like really into Halloween. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that's a shift and a change. And I'm wondering what it is about dressing up that appeals to to you and to, and to people mm. in general. So I don't know, like, yeah. what would you say to that? Like, what is it about... Dressing up for Halloween that is fun. Can you pinpoint something? I think it brings out the kid part in us. Like Mm -hmm. when we were kids, it was just fun to pretend and like be something else, you know, like I'm going to be a cheetah Mm. or I'm going to be, you know, whatever the thing is. And we're going to play. And I think it brings out the imagination that as adults, Mm. I'm not sure that we access as much of our imagination as as we could. Mm. it's almost yeah. like trying on, you're like trying on a different identity, like as a game. Yeah. There's, a, there's nothing at stake. Yeah. I, I'm just going to change out of the costume later. Um, okay. But you can sort of play. You can play with an identity. Okay. Well, today you did a, you did an interview without me. I didn't, I didn't get to be yeah, part of this. Yeah, you weren't part of this. You weren't part of this one, I, I guess, is what no, I'm remembering. I was at a funeral. Oh, was that, was that, you know, you remember where you were? I do. I mean, I've had, honestly... Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of funerals in the last month, so yeah. Um, fun. yeah so those couple days I was gone, but tell me about it. Can you give me a little? Yeah. So we sneak? talked with Craig Greenfield. I I wasn't familiar with uh, Craig um, before this interview, but um, he uh, wrote a book. He's written a couple other books, but his new book I think it releases today actually. So you, uh, listener, you can pick it up. It's called Subversive Mission: Serving as Outsiders in a world of need. Um, and so Craig is a longtime uh, kind of missionary. He has, he's the founder and director of Alongsiders. Oh, Inter- wait, I was a international. part of this. Were you? Yeah. Okay. Well, now, it's all coming back I to thought. you now? Sorry. It's all coming back. I should <laughs> sing it. It's all coming back. Yes. I anyway, was part of this yeah, You remember this? So, uh, which is a grassroots movement of young Christians that are seeking to reach the world's poorest children. Yeah. Um, and so he's uh, originally from New Zealand, um, but he's lived and worked for more than two decades in marginalized communities in Asia, North Africa. Um, and he, he talks um, in this interview with us about the, the difference that it makes if we can shift our sort of our posture, our missional posture, like the posture that we take as we go out on mission. Um, if we can shift that from thinking about ourselves as providers and hosts and insiders, kind of, kind of inviting people into something, we shift from that posture to a posture of being receivers, uh, of being guests, and of, of of assuming ourselves to be outsiders, and the just the profound difference that that can make um, in terms of uh, revealing and embodying the kingdom of God um, for 
for people. So anyway, he's got tons of experience with it and uh, he was, uh, he's the real deal. And uh, he was a delight to, to chat with. Um, now it's all, it's all coming back to you as well. It is. Yeah. Yep. We had a good yeah. conversation. Yeah. It and, was good. So. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to learn like his perspective just because he's non-American. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like to learn from people who are different yeah. than me and I think it's helpful. And so anyway, let's get right. into it. Here we go. Craig Greenfield joins the podcast today. He's the founder and director of Alongsiders International, a grassroots movement of young Christians reaching the world's poorest children. Originally from New Zealand, Craig has lived and worked for more than two decades in marginalized communities in Asia and North America. He's the author of The Urban Halo and Subversive Jesus, and the book we're chatting about today, his latest, Subversive Mission, Serving as Outsiders in a World of Need. Craig, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. It's wonderful to be with you guys today. Yeah, I think a friend of ours, or a friend of ours, uh, Gravity, named Jesse, introduced us to your work, and so I'm really glad that uh, he recommended we chat today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, good to, good to have those connections. It is, yeah. So this this book, Craig, is essentially um, taking what many people call the fivefold ministry uh, from Ephesians yeah. four and creating sort of five alternate missional corollaries or types. Um, but before we get to that um, and why they're important, where where did the idea for this book come from? Um, well, I've lived um, serving in places of need um, around the world, in the slums of Cambodia for 15 years and in inner city Vancouver, Canada, a place called the downtown east side for seven years. Um, and so what I notice and what we see with COVID, um, this increasing kind of um, movement amongst Christians um, away from being engaged globally, um, especially in, you know, what you might want to call traditionally missions or those types of things. And so I think COVID especially has been an inflection point in many areas of the world. Um, so I think, you know, as people come to know the history of missions um, with colonialism and all the baggage and the, the awful things that people know about, um, there could be a real sense of paralysis around that um, because, you know, we don't want to be white saviors or saviors of any color. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So what does it look like then if we have a sense of calling to be people who love our brothers and sisters around the world, which I think is, is central to the gospel? What does it look like then um, to do that without, you know, without all the baggage of missions? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, you mentioned uh, being in Cambodia. Was that the first place you served in a marginalized overseas community? Yeah. Yeah. Cambodia. Yeah. I, I wonder if you could maybe for us, because this word outsider in the subtitle is really mm. crucial to your book, that there's, yeah. an, there's an identity. Um, Willie James Jennings in his Acts commentary calls it, uh, he says, Gentile, white Gentile Christians need to relearn what it means to be the guest in the mm-hmm. Jewish faith. And as I read your yeah. book, I thought you're very much touching on a similar thing with this word outsider. Can you tell us what you mean by that and then how that came to show itself to you? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I also like the way John Perkins puts it. Um, he says that to transform a community, you need remainers, the insiders, those who stay in the community, returners, those who've left to get uh, education or mm. career, but return to be a part of the transformation. But he also says you need relocators. And um, so that's, that's really who I'm talking about, people who relocate from outside. Um, we're not from that culture we're not, um, you know, we didn't grow up there. But we want to be in solidarity with those who, that, who we're called to serve. So, I, I, you know, throughout history, throughout the Bible, there are outsiders that God has used. They're not usually totally central. In fact, almost never are they central. Insiders are central to what God is doing in any place. But there is a role for outsiders, and perhaps we need to rediscover that. <laughs> hey, Craig, you talk in your book um, about how we do things a lot. And in, in other mm. words, the way we do things is as, as important as what we do. And I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about how we get power wrong. Yeah. Um, well, if it's, if it's okay, I'd like to just quickly trace back to why power is important, um, yeah. just biblically. Sure. Yeah. So Jesus was born under the census. He was born in Bethlehem because there was an, a colonial or an empire census going on. And people take, you know, these empires, they do censuses to, for tax reasons and for the army. They want to know how many men they can conscript into the army or how many men they have to crush. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's basically money and power with the twin pillars of empire that Jesus was born under. Uh, And then interestingly enough, in Luke 3, the next chapter, you have John the Baptist calling the tax collectors and the soldiers to repentance. So right from the very beginning of what Jesus was doing, he was challenging those twin pillars of empire or colonialism, if you want to put it into today's language, Um, money and power. And that's really where we've gone wrong pretty much throughout history. Now, missionaries have done some beautiful and amazing things. But where they've gone wrong, it's been around issues of money and power. Mm -hmm. And so if we don't deal with those, if we don't, first of all, become self-aware, because when we're coming from situations where we don't hold a lot, hold it, you know, extraordinarily more amounts of power or money than people around us, then we're pretty, we can be very Mm self-unaware. So we have to realize what we come with. First of all, you could call it privilege as well, but we also have to deal with it and then figure out ways to serve that are not leveraging that money and power to make us gods. Mm. That's the challenge. That's the challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And now a word from a sponsor. The Gravity Podcast is sponsored by the Gravity Formation Course, a 12-month cohort-based training in practical spiritual formation where you'll learn to notice how God is already at work in your life so you can participate more fully in the life God shares with us. It's a discipleship process that goes beyond just gaining more knowledge and trying new practices. In the Gravity Formation course, we go below the surface of our lives so that we can notice and name our deepest desires in God's presence and to discern how God is at work in those desires to lead us towards holistic flourishing more transformation, more life, more joy, more love. We've trained hundreds of people all over the world in this formation framework, and it has helped many people to have a sense of God at work in their lives, to learn how to be more at home in God's love. If you'd like to learn more, go to gravitycommons.com formation. 
let's get back into our conversation. That seems, Craig, to be really difficult for majority culture people who stay in the majority culture to see. Um, yeah. yeah. It's one of the gifts, I think, unspoken gifts, maybe even unconscious, of, of short-term missions. I know that's a whole podcast, and mm. there's a lot of, that's kind of, <laughs> some, sometimes can be fraught with problems. But one of the benefits I hear people narrate is for the first time in their life, they're able to inhabit a different system, a different world, and yeah. see themselves yeah. differently and see yes. see the the power at work differently. And, and it's a gift, even yeah. if uh, short-term missions are complicated. Um, yeah, it's about perspective. And that's, that's another reason why I advocate for us to not just stay at home in our own little suburbs, but to get out there into the world, yeah. grapple with this stuff, and gain perspective. We, we urgently need perspective. Yeah. Well, one of the brilliances of this book that I think is, it's a, it's a work of deep theology and, and missiology, but also, Craig, you're a great storyteller. Um, Thank you. you. You've got really good stories that introduce each chapter, and I wonder, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, um, would, you, would you mind sharing one of those stories? Like, um, any of the ones that you use to introduce a chapter, I'm thinking of, there's several from Cambodia that are in the book, but I'm wondering if people could just get a flavor of, of kind of the heart of this book. Yeah, sure. Well, um, I talk about the role of the prophet, um, of course. So that's one of the ministry types. But I talk about as outsiders, we need to come more as allies, as people who amplify the voice of local prophets. Um, and uh, so I've been involved in justice work a lot. And uh, one of the things that we do in Cambodia is uh, gather together with a group of Cambodian Christian leaders to to um, explore issues of justice. Now, Cambodia, that's a bit more dangerous because um, the government does not like anyone to be talking about issues of justice mm. or injustice. Or, and so the police have been, you know, following us, all kinds of things like that. One day we went on a retreat and uh, we decided to, you know, spend some time outside the city, getting to know each other and hanging out. And we wanted to show a movie in the evening. So we, 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 um, we, what do you call it? The we projected. Sorry, it's six thirty in the morning here. Um, we projected this movie on the wall. We decided to watch Animal Farm, the animated. I think it's nineteen fifty six version of Animal Farm. Just still stands up so well. Highly recommend it if you've and if you've read the book as a as a teenager. So we had put Cambodian subtitles onto this movie so that we could so that everyone could understand it. So we're about and we're up on a balcony. And um, so we're about five minutes into the movie and I realized, man, this movie is way more revolutionary than I remember it being. <laughs> I'm not sure if we can get away. This, this movie, like the sheep and the goats, you know, they're, they've got their pitchforks, overthrow Farmer Jones, we're going to have a revolution. And I'm like looking around thinking, oh, man, we're in trouble here. This is not going to go well. Anyway, three police show up within minutes wow. and they're standing below the balcony and um, and one of the Cambodian leaders, a young woman, comes to me and says, Craig, there's police here. And I say, all right, I better go and talk to them. I speak fluent Cambodian, but I do sometimes get a bit riled up speaking to the police. Um, she's like, puts her hand on my shoulder and says, Craig, no. Craig, no, this is you're not, not. You're not the right guy. You're not the right guy for this. Just sit down, watch the movie, and I'll go and deal with it. You know, in other words, we didn't need a prophet right then. <laughs> she was the prophet. I'm the ally. I, I'm there in solidarity. 
Um, she goes down, she says to the, they say, what are you doing? You're not doing anything political, are you? And she says, no, we're, we're just watching a children's animated movie. And uh, <laughs> from the angle that they see, they can't actually see the subtitles. So they have no idea how revolutionary this is. They stand there for the full two hours enjoying the movie with her, just, just thinking, oh, this is this wow. fun children's movie. While we're up there on the balcony like, oh, man, we're going to get arrested any minute. But um, when it comes to, you know, just on a more serious note, you know, I've been evicted from slums in Cambodia twice um, Mm. and being evicted from land is a real major justice issue. One of our Mm. friends um, was so fed up with being evicted that she and and a group of, a small group of other women dragged their beds into the busiest intersection at the busiest kind of road in Phnom Penh, the capital, and say, we have nowhere to lay our heads, so we're just going to stay here in the, in the middle of this intersection. Obviously, all the traffic is honking, and the police immediately swoop down and arrest her and her friends. Within mm. 24 hours, they've been sentenced to a year in prison. They're, you know, they're in jail. Wow. Now, she's a prophet. You know, she's speaking out against injustice. She's speaking truth to power in ways that are very courageous and bold. And I want to be an ally to her. I want to be someone who gets the word out about what's happening to her. I don't want to just say, well, you know, I don't want to be a white savior, so I'm going to have nothing to do with that situation. I'm not, going to, I'm not even going to know about it because I'm certainly not there. No, I see my friend getting dragged off into a van, and uh, maybe there's ways that I can get the word out to my own circle of influence and my network, which goes beyond Cambodia. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. I, I do think, uh, Craig, that it's often um, we talk about these 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 giftings for ministry: apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. We talk about them as though they're, um, you know, they're theology or they're these operational intelligences that we quote use in ministry. But uh, those stories, I think, put some texture on how they how we then carry those intelligences as outsiders. Um, and that's that's yeah. the important work you do here is that these the spiritual gifting looks different if you're an insider yeah. and an outsider. Yeah. yeah, I I do believe that because there there are different roles and God uses us in different ways. And local people, insiders, absolutely have to be the ones who replicate and take the ministry forward. Mm. That's I mean, and they have to own it. So ownership is a big word all the way through the whole book. You would have noticed. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, maybe um, give us another example of that. Um, in the in the book, you talk about um, you know from the, the apostle kind of f- functions in this catalyst role. The pastor functions as a midwife. The prophet becomes an ally. The evangelist becomes a seeker, and the teacher becomes a guide. Maybe pick um, show, tell us how this works. Like how how um, one of these shifts. Like pick one of those. And help us understand sure. how power is involved in this and why it matters if you're an insider or an outsider in those situations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 always, it matters for different reasons for each of them. Um, mm-hmm. So with the pastor, rather than coming to be at the center of planting the church, uh, you need to be a midwife who helps local Christians give birth to the church in a local expression of the mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. And that's just... I mean, it's kind of intuitively, I think we know, we have enough cultural intelligence to know that these local expressions of the church are just incredibly important. Yeah. Um, and, if, and very often, if, if they're not 
plant if a church is not planted in a way that is um, you know replicable. So if you're using money, I'll give you a simple example. You go in and you teach English to to gain some converts because you're teaching English and you share the gospel with your students. Mm -hmm. Uh, No one local can replicate that. (laughs) Or or you, um, you you pay some money to rent a building. Yeah. Because, you know, it's only 50 bucks, you know. But, um, again, that's the only church that will be planted and it will be forever supported from outside because, you know, if local people don't have that money to to rent the building, then they can't replicate that. Uh, In Cambodia, first missionaries um, saw that Cambodians worship using incense. And um, they said, no, no, that's, you know, you're worshiping your ancestors. No more incense in worship, which mm-hmm. is incredibly sad because it's so, you know, part of the Bible. <laughs> um, in Mongolia, they were wiser. They saw that people worshipped using, you know, th- tossing yak milk into the air. They tossed their yak milk up to the gods. And um, the first missionaries were much wiser. They said, toss your yak milk to Jesus. And so yes. Mongolians still retain this beautiful cultural expression of being yak milk tossers um, <laughs> as they worship the yeah. Lord. Yeah. So, you know, all of these things. Um, I'll take, what, if I could just touch on one more, the evangelist. Yeah. Yeah, um, that, that's one that, we, that many people feel much more uncomfortable about. Right. Um, what does that look like? You know, it's one of the fivefold ministries is to be an evangelist. Oh, I'm not sure about that. Um, the way that I, I've reframed it is to come as a seeker, seeking to discover how God is already in conversation with people in that context. Mm. And um, God is already in, in conversation with them. You can guarantee it. Jesus has already revealed himself in ways, in local ways. Yeah. And our role is to help people discover that, even within their own cultural and even within their own religious traditions. Yeah. So my my mother-in-law, I'm married to a beautiful Cambodian woman named Nay uh, for more than 20 years. And her mother-in-law told me how she became a Christian was through a Buddhist prophecy about one who would come after Buddha with discs in his hands and in his feet, and he would be known as a king of peace. When she heard about Jesus with his, you know, on the cross, holes in his hands and feet, the Prince of Peace, she immediately knew that that was the one that she was waiting for. Wow. So how can we be seekers? How can we be seekers? Yeah, and I'll just I'll just say I think that's I, I like I like the framework here because it's very practical and um, it's sort of uh, names in a verbal way, right? Like these titles: a seeker, you know, a guide, um, mm. an ally, you know, a midwife, a catalyst. It names in in verbal ways ways that you can actually disrupt these power dynamics, like on the ground, uh, because yeah. essentially that's what you're talking about, right? That you're you don't come as the evangelist who owns the information and controls yeah. the information of the gospel. You come as somebody who is discovering how God is at work already and seeking to bring articulation and 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 sort of unearthing that and allowing people to see it. It's just a very different posture and, and a very yeah. different way of holding power um, and sort of recognizing how power is at work in the midst of that. Yeah. yeah. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I love I love that word posture. It's all about that well posture as yeah. we go in and yeah. But we're going to get it wrong. We're going to get it wrong. But yeah. God's grace is there, mm-hmm. and we learn as we go. And if we have some self-awareness and we understand our po- what posture we should be taking, that, that, will, that will go a long way. We'll be right back. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Let's get back to the show. You know, Craig, you don't know Christy very well, but she is quite the evangelist. Uh, she will no, enthuse you with whatever she's into. She loves to connect people to other people and to the stuff that brings her joy and happiness. Um, and, uh, you know, at certain parts of my journey, I felt guilty for not being more of an evangelist. Like, um, you know, I always felt sort of like I got the short end of the five-fold stick when it comes to mission. You know, and one of the gifts of your book is that um, you help name and operationalize how the rest of the fivefold pastors and teachers, et cetera, uh, are crucial for mission as well. So, you, you understand what I'm saying? You, de, you, so you sort of uh, mm, destigmatize mm. And, and release from the guilt of, you yeah. know, walking, yeah. walking the road barefoot yeah, handing yeah. out Bibles, you know, or whatever yeah, we think we yeah. should be doing. Yeah, yeah, thank you for saying that. I think you've put your finger on something that maybe I hadn't even thought all the way through because, as a, you know, I think this word missionary is, you, we've got to ditch it. I, I just think it's time. Um, it's no longer, it has so much baggage. And to replace it with five words <laughs> or 10, um, it makes much more sense because we're, we have so many different giftings. Um, there's There's a hundred different ways that God calls us to serve our brothers and sisters around the world. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I also, while we're, while we're ditching things, um, <laughs> now, 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 don't get me wrong on this. I just think that there are, there, are, there are verses of Scripture that hold more resonance for certain ages, for certain times. Mm. And we have used the verse, go into all the worlds, a lot for a while, yeah. and um, and that that holds be a beautiful truth, but because of our colonial past, yeah. um, because of where we are today in 2022, and our understanding of the world, um, perhaps there are other passages, scriptures like "love your neighbor," "love your brothers and sisters." that would hold more resonance for people as we grapple with what it looks like to be global Christians. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's a whole rant here, Craig, about how the early church <laughs> didn't conceive of those verses as a Great Commission, and mm. the, they, they didn't talk about the Great Commission, and how you see the increase of talking about the Great Commission went up as sort of acceptability and the wedding of empire and Christi the church came together. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I think that's, uh, yeah, it would be a good challenge for us. Um, mm. Well, maybe as we wind down, you, you already mentioned power and money 
earlier as ways that um, things that interfere and or interrupt the kingdom of God. But you mentioned mm. three others as well in this book: uh, com- complicity, yeah. secularism, and individualism. And these all yeah. these all correspond to not decolonizing. Right? If we don't decolonize mm. mission, these are sort of the five dangers that we experience and other people actually are inflicted with. Maybe, um, which one, uh, as you hear them now, which one do you have like the most personal experience with? Or wh- wh- which one have you been the most up mm. close and personal to see the damage that it can do? Um, yeah, I mean, all of them. <laughs> these are... <laughs> You know, I've I've done damage with all of them, but um, mm. I mean, it's these are these are the five most common blind spots that that um, typically European background Westerners will bring. Um, so let's just take individualism. If you look at um, where where I've spent the last you know many many years in Asia, the cultural foundations of Asia come from China. And, and from that, from their rhythms of life around growing rice, rice three times a day must be eaten. Um, they can't understand how we could not eat rice three times a day at least. And so when you grow rice, you need water, you need irrigation. And that means that your village chief or any of your neighbors needs to cooperate with you for that water to flow into your land. And so if you get on the wrong side of, you know, the village chief or one of your neighbors, they could cut off your water. They could cut off your life. And so right from the very beginnings of Eastern thought and culture, this idea of living in harmony with one another was so important and still is. Mm-hmm. Nothing is nothing is decided or nothing is lived without others and without others being taken into you know, consideration. Now, those of us who come from a European background ethnically, we trace our culture and thought back to Greece you know, the great philosophers, you know, going down to Athens to debate things. And um, they could do that because they were hunting and fishing and growing their own things. doesn't matter if Uncle Aesop down the road gets mad at me <laughs> because I'm debating him about philosophy. Um, it doesn't matter because I have my own way of getting my own food. And so right from the very beginnings of our cultural thought and practices was these ideas of individualism, liberty, and freedom for all, which, you know, Sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> um, and I think we actually saw that played out during COVID. Now, let's not go too far down that track, but the ideas of community versus individualism, you know, gets played out yeah. um, in cultural ways. And it also gets played out is in, in our understanding of the gospel. You know, Jesus went to whole households and said, today salvation has come to this house, which just explodes our individualistic minds. Um, you know, because for me growing up, I was taught, you know, the gospel is about me and Jesus, what Jesus did for me, my personal response to my personal Lord and Savior. Um, doesn't matter that my whole family are doing something else and all of this other stuff, but for those who are coming from a more communal mindset, those things are massive and they won't understand the gospel in the same way we do, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful truth. Mm-hmm. Craig, I want our listeners to read this book, and um, I'm I'm curious if you could just share with us what's your hope for people who are reading this book. What do you want them to walk away with? I I really wrote this book for two groups of people, and I hope they're not insulted by the way I describe them. 
<laughs> it's We're always not, good um, not to alienate your audience. I'm going to lose my crowd. <laughs> um, I, I wrote it for those who serve perhaps with a bit of naivety or ignorance um, about the what they carry with them as they go to serve. Yeah. And I hope I've wrote, written it in a way that it will open eyes, but gently. Um, so I wrote it for those who perhaps yeah are ignorant of, of some of the things that we carry, but I also wrote it for those who are paralyzed, mm. who have a sense of, I, I love the world. I love other cultures. I love learning languages. I want to be a, be a neighbor to my brothers and sisters around the world. I want to be in solidarity with the woman who's dragged off into the van because she was putting her bed in the traffic sec- intersection but they're paralyzed because of all of the things and baggage that goes with, you know, being a white savior, being a colonialist, being a missionary. Um, so I wrote it for both those groups of people that we would feel a sense of learning and release into new postures of being servants. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good, Craig. I am really grateful that you shared that just because it's not just the posture that's written through your book. But honestly, it's the posture in which you carry in your person, and it comes through the pages of your book, but it's also who you are. And I just thank you for sharing your time and your wisdom and your kindness. Um, It comes through on the microphone. And so I just want to say thanks for that. How can our listeners find your book and find you? Yeah, so Subversive Mission. Actually, you can go to my website, craiggreenfield.com, where I write uh, a blog about uh, serving in the world and justice. Um, And actually, there's a quiz there you can take um, to find out which of these Mm. missional types might uh, resonate most with you. And and then you can download a little bit more information about it. That's great. That is incredible. Well... Thanks, People Craig. People love quizzes too. Yeah, so I quiz. there's something so about I love quiz. I want to go take the quiz right now, but right. I can't. <laughs> we, I got, so, I got we something. Gotta, I gotta we got to finish this podcast, Ben. Okay, you just yeah. sit tight. Hold your horses, <laughs> young man. Okay, all right. Uh, Craig, I know you referenced this earlier. I know <laughs> that you have made a lot of mistakes when it comes to this stuff. That the way you learned how to be an outsider was trying to be an insider, and yeah. um, I just want to thank you for uh, not quitting and letting your failure produce wisdom and love. Um, and so, uh, we need that. Like we need people who have fallen short, but then refuse to become a failure and decide to fail forward into the grace of Christ and bring back the wisdom and bring back the knowledge and the love. And I feel like that's what you've done. So thanks so much, Craig. Thank you for this labor of, uh, love, uh, over many years. And, um, thanks for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much, and uh, feel free to read about all my failures in the book. <laughs> that's what. That's what. That's fun, isn't it? It's fun to yeah, read yeah. about other people's uh, failures. Yeah. <laughs> well, appreciate you sharing those stories, and good to have you with Thanks, us. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah thank nice you. Nice to meet you. Friends, I love mm-hmm. quizzes. He just told us. <laughs> To go take a quiz. Yeah. You remember when you were like 13 and you'd get uh-huh. a magazine and they would have, you know, A, B, or C, what kind of friend are you? They'd give you all these yeah. scenarios and yeah. you'd, 
you hope that you were like all the same letter because that meant something. That meant mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, you're going to be friends for life. If there's yeah. anybody <clears throat> listening that's like me, I don't the know. 13-year-old's coming out. Mm. You can go take that quiz. I don't know if quiz. I read those kinds of magazines, but I do enjoy <laughs> I enjoy like a uh, a system that somebody creates to like de- describe especially personalities. Yeah. So this kind of thing is right up my alley. I love oh, yeah. you know, Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, yes. the fivefold stuff like yep. Any system like that that seems to help, uh, I don't know, like delineate differences and figure out who's, why you do what you do. I love all that. So Yeah, me too. It's only 26 questions. Yeah, we looked it up. I started taking it. Don't do it it while you're driving. (laughs) That's good. That's good advice. (laughs) I mean, you know. But yeah, I think I'm familiar enough with the fivefold stuff that I know what the questions are getting at. But, But still, it's fun. It's fun to take a little quiz. Yeah. But Matt, you had uh, you had another thing you wanted to talk about yeah, that we was, never got to. Yeah, I was just thinking about how he talked about um, being a person who grew up in sort of a European Western culture in New Zealand, and then moving mm-hmm. into the East yeah. and having all these individualistic sort of habits baked into right. his right. you know logic and his uh, consciousness, and there being a collectivistic sort of culture shock. Yeah, and I think it's really if we don't name. What is what is inherent in our culture that is not either good or bad? It just is. It just is. Mm-hmm. We end up baptized, like especially the way we talk about the gospel. He mentioned like me and Jesus and my mm-hmm. response. We end up reading scripture with Western eyes. Hey, oh, callback. But also, we we then start condemn and damn other people for doing things that aren't condemnable and damnable. Yeah. Right. Right. Like throwing the axe milk <laughs> into the air. Yeah, or, <laughs> or even a, like one of the th- one of the issues that Western Christians have to deal with mm-hmm. is the fact that the scriptures were written by a collectivist people to a collectivist people, mm-hmm. and we as individualists have very little access to their logic, their way of ordering their world, their common sense, what seems good to them and bad to them, and and. And so then there's that conversation. Then there's the conversation of, well, if Scripture is written in a collectivist frame to a collectivist people, does that mean God is baptizing collectivism? Does that mean collectivism is somehow better than individualism? And if not, how do we begin to understand God's accommodation to culture, i.e., you know, telling Israel's kings, you you can have a lot of wives, you know? Um, The sacrificial system. Right, even the sacrificial system. How do we understand yeah. God's accommodation to culture without doing one of two things? Like just reading our own cultural into scripture mm-hmm. or mandating like collectivist culture as the only way to live. Yeah. And I right. that's a larger issue that I think missiologists have a better handle on than we do. Yeah. You know, because they actually have to wrestle with this so as to not lose friendships, mm-hmm. so as to be able to stay in connection with people who are different than them, etc. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think those that's that's huge, Matt. I think I can remember my my journey being somewhat like that. Like sequentially, it was like you know I had the blinders, the individualist blinders on, where I just sort of assumed that this was the way that things are, or the only way things could be, or the way things should be. And then having my eyes open to oh, collectivism is like this whole different way of relating to other people. And then, but immediately, I noticed I shifted into that's better. <laughs> that's yeah. better than this like and so there was like this rejection of of the thing that I was realizing wasn't as universal as I thought it was um and then this embracing of this new thing that was like oh this is good this would be so much better if we did it this way 
and now sort of realizing, oh, maybe there actually individualism gave us a few gifts, right? Like you, you, like you can be prophetic and and do something against the culture that you come from, um, you know, which is, you know, that maybe there's some gifts in that, or you know, as, as well as their gifts, there being gifts in in collectivism. So they're they're, they're like they're relative goods. Yeah. They're not, you know, <clears throat> neither one of them is the best thing, right? Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's a hard thing to do. Well, yes, and even that uh, binary, like, okay, individualism is bad, collectivism is good. No, collectivism is bad, individualism is good. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a, there's an entire way of seeing the world that is n- that doesn't break things into binary exclusivistic either ors. Mm-hmm. That is able to say, you know what should be in the scriptures, Deuteronomy. That says, if you do good, God will bless you, mm-hmm. and if you do wrong, God will curse you. Mm-hmm. And you know what else should be in the scriptures? Job. Job. That says it doesn't <laughs> yeah. give matter two whips what you do, because yeah. sometimes things happen and you don't understand them. Yeah. And what the what the Jewish people did is they didn't eliminate one of those. Yeah. But they put them together and allowed the truth to be in their interaction yeah. up against each other. Yeah. And that's a really hard thing for a Western mind to do. Yeah. It takes a lot of maturity because I think we tend to be all or nothing, black or white, yeah. this or mm-hmm. that, and to see both and and to learn yeah. from it and to chew on it mm-hmm. uh, is important. And yeah. I think it takes a lot of maturity. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think the maturity, yeah, Christy, and I think the maturity is is the maturity of being able to recognize that even my tendency to think things need to be black and white or in categories or, you know, one thing or another is not necessarily uh, just true, you know, that it's like, yeah. that's just a, that's just how I've been taught things ought to be. And right. I can just learn to, you know, live in the fact that, oh, that's, that's not the only way that things need to be. Um, and we yeah. can, we can learn to embrace some of that stuff. Yeah. Lots of, well, uh, lots of fascinating stuff. Um, mm-hmm. that he, kind of in learning of all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I did learn something else. What's that? Um, I learned that, uh, you can't tell a secret in a cornfield. You know why? No. Why? What? You learned this from the podcast? Okay. <laughs> There's too many ears. <laughs> I can't even deliver it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners are they did not know that was coming. A mom joke came, but it was I, I love it. I, I love it. I tried to be like you, Matt. It didn't work. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Here's Christy. another thing I learned about cornfields from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, not only, listener, you couldn't see this. Not only was Christy was typically sits really still, and she got all moovy and smiley. <laughs> it was great. Get ready oh. for a singer. I tried. I tried. If yeah, you have a second I, grader, tell them that joke. They're going to love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Too many ears. Uh, too many ears. That's great, Christy. Um, hey, do you guys want to hear a, a joke about gaslighting? <laughs> What? Uh, no, not about gaslighting. No, you sure. don't want to hear it. Yeah, Ben, you want to sure, hear it? Sure, I want to hear one. Are um, you going to tell me I don't? Wait, no, did, no didn't I, but didn't I already tell it to you? Didn't I already say it? <laughs> no, I, I think I get the joke. No, yes, you did. didn't. Yes, yeah. I did. Yeah, I already told you. You already noticed you. <laughs> uh, probably should have oh, looked at Christy's Fun joke. times. Yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. If you can't <clears> laugh everybody. about gaslighting, what can, we what can you about? <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. Uh, Oh, man. Okay, well, with that, listeners, have mm -hmm. a great day.
Have yeah. a great day, listeners. All right. That's, <laughs> I don't think we've ever ended like that, but that's, that's how we're ending today. Have a great day. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you're finding it helpful, we'd love it if you tell your friends about it. Ratings and reviews online also help others find the podcast. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Joining our Gravity community is free. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke and Matt Tebby. Aaron Sternke edits and mixes the podcast, and you can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. We'd love to hear from you. To record a question or comment for us, go to gravityleadership.com slash message and click the start record button. You can also email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.